Welcome to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone, so let's connect and heal our vibe within. Welcome back to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and I am taking advantage today because I finally woke up early, and this is something I've been working through a lot recently, especially because I'm dealing with a lot of autoimmune stuff and flare-ups, and I figured it's the perfect time to drop in and share some really important information and I wanted to talk about eating disorder recovery culture especially because this week is the National Eating Disorder uh, Awareness Week so it can be a very triggering, confusing, frustrating time for many who are dealing with disordered eating, recovering from eating disorders or maybe you know somebody who is, you have a family member or a friend who is struggling with uh, disordered eating or any kind of like eating disorder. So I wanted to hop on here and talk about, you know, the light and the dark side of eating disorder recovery culture, especially on social media, and how important it is to be your your own advocate, you know, self-advocacy while in recovery or dealing with any health issues, you know, not just um, mental health issues like eating disorders, but physical health issues, you know, PCOS, autoimmune, hormonal issues, pain, injuries. We're coming to the age where doctors are working based on their own egos, and I'm going to share some personal experiences that I've been through in this episode um, when it comes to working with healthcare providers that have only made me realize that I need to advocate for myself even more and research um, even more and understand my body even more. And that's the, that's the harsh truth when it comes to recovering from any kind of mental illness or physical disease or physical illness. You have to do your own research and you have to understand what's going in your body. And this requires awareness. And for me, it required a total revamp of what I've been doing, you know, tapping out of the normal stuff that I was doing and changing my habits around food and movement, um, even though they were claimed as healthy. So before I get into the the whole eating disorder recovery part of this episode, I want to just, you know, update you guys with why I 
take a little bit of longer breaks in between each episode and it's because when I do come and record a solo episode I want to show up 100% I don't want to come and half-ass it so today I woke up early and I was like wow I'm so grateful that I woke up early and I'm not feeling like shit because when you're dealing with autoimmune issues Hashimoto's PCOS thyroid it's a journey it's a roller coaster one day you could be feeling okay the next day you could be feeling like uh you just got hit by a a truck you know like you're swollen you're puffy you look crazy you can't function fatigue so just know that if you're dealing with those issues you're not alone and it is there's so many different groups and threads that I'm uh, a part of on Reddit and then there's also one called Health Unlocked. It's free and if you're dealing with um, Hashimoto's or thyroid issues or even hormonal issues as well, um, it's free to make an account. It's called Health Unlocked and uh, it's a UK-based forum and everybody in that forum is super helpful. It's all people who have been living through autoimmune issues and they tell you that about their experience, they give you advice, they, you know, everybody kind of connects uh, based on these fucked up experiences that we might all have with endocrinologists, with health experts, um, with health professionals that gaslight you, that tell you you're normal, that tell you it's all in your head, that tell you your labs are normal when they're clearly not. So. I've been finding refuge and support in a lot of those threads. And on Reddit, you know, there's tons of threads. There's vegan, keto, there's PCOS, there's autoimmune threads. There's a thread for every kind of autoimmune condition. So if you're looking for some kind of free support, I mean, I would say Reddit is the way to go because there's people there who have been through exactly what you're going through and you can literally just post in the subreddit and get hundreds of uh, comments and um, recommendations and links and information and people are there to get support and offer support so that's there for you Um, with whatever you're dealing with you know diabetes mental illness OCD ADHD bipolar border personality borderline personality disorder like there's a subreddit for literally everything so you know take take everything that people say with a little bit of a grain of salt and that's also what I'm going to be talking about today too with the eating disorder recovery culture Um, you got to take everything with a grain of salt on social media at least Um, reddit I feel like it's a little bit more pure it's a little bit more clean the intentions are a little bit more pure there Um, but as I was saying, I had to tap out of the normal stuff that I was doing each day around food and movement and like the way that I was taking care of myself, um, even though that they're claimed as like healthy habits, right? So I'm going to go through them. One habit that, um, I had to kind of shift out of was eating these huge raw salads, For someone who has autoimmune issues, this is not necessarily the best way to eat. Um, Eating raw vegan for so many years really messed my immune system up. It's really hard to digest raw vegetables every day, and 
even doctors like Isabella Wentz, she writes about this a lot. She talks about this a lot. Um, she has tons of articles and blog um, entries that she writes in depth about how people with Hashimoto's and thyroid issues, they should not be eating raw vegetables every day, um, if, if any. Like, you have to cook them. So I noticed um, that I've been feeling really inflamed, really swollen, really annoyed, really just uncomfortable the day after I eat a huge raw salad. And yes, salads are healthy, right? Like salads are claimed to be this healthy food and they are healthy, but you have to take your own body's health code um, into consideration. And so I've been cooking my vegetables, I've been cooking my greens, and it sounds weird, but I've been even cooking the lettuce just a little bit so that it's not completely raw and I'm making like warm kind of salads that are way easier to digest and another thing that um, Isabella Wentz talks about is taking betaine HCL or betaine with pepsin which is a supplement that helps the stomach acid levels get to an appropriate level because for folks who have eating disorders or autoimmune conditions of any kind your stomach acid levels can be really low, which which makes it really hard to digest food, especially raw foods. So I had to completely revamp the way that I was eating, and I had to realize that even these healthy habits of eating raw vegetables, raw carrots, raw cucumbers, raw salads, it was damaging me, and it was causing inflammation and swelling. And, um, you know, a few days ago, I felt like absolute shit because I was eating raw salads every day. And last night, I took the pepsin, the, the betaine, HCL, I cooked my salad, and this morning I woke up with a little bit less inflammation. You know, it's not like overnight I'm completely better, but I noticed a difference. I'm not as bloated, I'm not as um, swollen and uncomfortable. I also had to revamp the way that I was moving and cardio. So I was, I used to be a cardio addict. Um, you know, running was something that I forced myself to do even though I didn't enjoy it. And it was ruining my adrenals. So I had to really understand what kind of movement is okay with hypothyroidism, PCOS, Hashimoto's, because these are all immune system and nervous system kind of um, disorders. So I had to really understand that I had to stop the high stress um, workouts. So now I just walk on the treadmill every day. You know, I walk for like an hour or so. I do, sometimes I'll put up the incline up and down. And for me, that's a great workout. I try to get, you know, 10,000 steps in a day and I feel, I feel better instead of stressing my body out to the point where I'm having a flare-up, you know, because I was noticing that when I was doing tons of weightlifting and um, just doing too much cardio, um, I was getting swollen. I was getting bigger. I was getting more inflamed. I was feeling pain in my body. So it's like, what's the point if um, your workouts are going to actually work against you, you know? Um I was overusing the sauna for a while, and I know I've talked about this in previous episodes, so I'm not going to get into it really. Um, I just had to really understand that what I was doing was sabotaging myself. I was sabotaging my healing. I was sabotaging my progress of feeling better and not having as many flare-ups, and I noticed that when I 
stopped using the sauna every day and I lowered it to using it one time a day or sorry one time a week um, I felt a lot better so now I use the sauna once a week as a kind of like a weekly ritual and it's it's like a it's a way for me to reward myself for getting through the week and then I go on Fridays and I get that nice sauna session in but doing it every single day was actually working against me it was causing water retention it was causing electrolyte deficiency it was causing um, like my body to hold on to every single drop of water that I drank and it was causing me to gain weight it was causing me to feel swollen and puffy and inflamed because too much heat that's stress to the body so we have to understand that everything we're doing is a stressor like the way that we're working out cold plunges saunas um dieting you know that's all stressors to the body so just keeping that in mind um the next thing i had to really stop doing was fasting all day long you know i get in these ADHD, OCD kind of loops where I'm like going, 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 doing, 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 working, trying to figure shit out, or I'm just, you know, trying to stay busy so that I'm not in these mental loops of, you know, overwhelmed, stressed about my health, about moving, about just everything, money, about mostly about my health, doctor's appointments, feeling better. Why do I feel like this? Oh my God, my hair is falling out. Oh my God, I feel like shit. So um, fasting all day long is not good for people who have autoimmune issues. I mean, for me, I'm not a big breakfast person, but in the morning I make a protein-rich um, matcha. I'll use marine collagen, and that leads me into the next thing that I had to really um unprogram and realize that being strict raw vegan was actually detrimental to my health and I was vegan for eight years and um, I had to surrender and understand that being raw vegan was not helping my digestion it was not helping my body um, it was causing a lot of inflammation because I was eating a lot of inflammatory foods and I had to realize that a lot of the protein powders that I was consuming had ingredients in them that I'm actually allergic to. So it was um, a big eye-opener for me. So I had to shift out of being full vegan, and I am still mainly plant-based, but I introduced things like fish oil supplements, marine collagen, um, gelatin, and I'm also eating lean protein like fish. So we have to understand that healthy diets like that are claimed to be healthy like veganism and you know keto or whole whole food plant-based or all these things they they are healthy but for some people um, they can cause and trigger some autoimmune reactions and some symptoms and I can't stress it enough just to make sure that all of the healthy quote-unquote healthy products that you're consuming um, don't have ingredients in there that you're allergic to. Like I was using a greens powder every day. I was making a green juice and I can't have gluten. I can't have any kind of gluten. And what I realized was there was wheatgrass and barley in that greens powder and wheatgrass is gluten, guys. <laughs> so I, 
I can't stress it enough. Like the week that I got all of my food sensitivity tests back, I went through all of my cabinets, all the protein powders, all of the healthy products. And I was like losing my mind. I was like, can't have this, can't have that. And it was a really, it was a mind fuck of a week, especially because I am recovering from an eating disorder. And I found out that 80% of the things that I was consuming each day was actually foods that I have highly sensitive reactions to, like mushrooms, nightshades, garlic, onions, oats, almonds, all these things. And I was consuming these things every day. So no wonder I felt like shit. No wonder I was inflamed. No wonder I was swollen. No wonder I was puffy. So you know, it's uh, it sucks to find out these things, but it's all information and something that's claimed as healthy could actually make you react. So you just have to really tap into your own body and understand what's making you react. How do you feel after you eat these things? How do you feel after you consume these things? How do you feel after you work out? Um, I had to research supplements and herbs and you know, I had to really give them a chance to work. I couldn't just try them and then after a week say, oh, this isn't working. So that's something I really had to change my mindset about. I have to give things at least two or three months. Okay, I want to move into self-advocacy and um, talk about some experiences that I've been through with doctors and endocrinologists, and then we're gonna get into the eating disorder recovery, highs and lows, darks and lights. But before we get into that part, let's just hear a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You guys already know how obsessed I am with therapy. I talk about it all the time on this podcast about how I have two therapists and how I go to therapy every single week. Well, I've been going to therapy for years, but once 2020 hit, the year of chaos for all of us, I really needed extra support and BetterHelp has really been there to guide me through these chaotic times. Uh, I've been dealing with anxiety, depression, and I also have been in this recovery space for disordered eating and just a host of other issues. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and, uh, and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, so all you have to do is you take a a quick online quiz, you answer some questions about what you're going through, what kind of therapist you're looking for, and you can literally write in the answers, I am looking for this kind of therapist, I am looking for an expert in this field. That's what I did, and they matched me with a therapist who has tons of experience with eating disorders, trauma, and depression. And to be honest, I love my therapist so much. She's probably my favorite therapist I've ever had. And I've been through like a variety of therapists over the years. Me and her really hit it off. And even if you don't hit it off with your therapist right away, because let's be real, finding a therapist can honestly feel like you're dating. Don't worry, you can always change therapists as many times as you need, no questions asked, no charge or anything like that. So you can always change your therapist and then get matched with a new one that day. 
So BetterHelp uh, is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is literally professional counseling done securely online. And what I love about BetterHelp is that they have a journal feature. So if you're going through something challenging through the week and you don't have an appointment until, let's say, next week, you can write a journal entry. It's all online. It's secure. And if you'd like, you can share that journal entry with your therapist so that they are on the same page. They're caught up. They know exactly what you're going through. They know whatever triggers you've been dealing with over the week. And what's awesome about BetterHelp, too, is that your therapist will respond. So you can actually communicate with your therapist in between your your sessions. So it's not like you only get get to talk to your therapist once a week. You can check in with them frequently in between your sessions. You can catch them up to date. You can kind of communicate with them every day if you wanted to. And the online journal feature is really nice for folks who are new to journaling or just need that extra support. So communicating with your therapist more frequently could really benefit you if you're going through a rough time. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available if you are struggling right now. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe. And you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve the support. You deserve the healing. And you are not alone. There are so many people who are struggling with severe anxiety, depression, trauma, all of these things. And you don't need to suffer in silence anymore. So visit betterhelp.com slash vibe for a discount on your first month of online therapy that's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash vibe and that discount code will get you 10 percent off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe okay so self-advocacy especially when you are dealing with mental illness physical illness anything means choosing who your doctors are and if that means going through several so be it i know it sucks but um it's necessary to weed out the toxic um weeds of doctors and providers who are in it for ego um unfortunately i had an endocrinologist for months almost a year and she caused me so much stress because she would literally argue with me um, in my appointments. She would argue with me that what my symptoms were um, were either not thyroid related or she would say that it's all in my head or she would literally argue with me in the patient messaging portal. Um, And it got to the point where I was having so much anxiety and panic about every time this, this endocrinologist messaged me because Every time I got a message from her after I had like reached out to her about, hey, I'm like, I'm not feeling good. Um, I definitely need like a thyroid medication increase. I need labs. I need this tested. These are my symptoms. She would just say, yeah, that's not thyroid related. That's just, yeah, like 
whatever you're going through like thyroid doesn't make you have good and bad days like whatever you're going through is something else so I had a few months where I was literally going insane and every therapy session that I had with my therapist at the time was talking about this toxic endocrinologist who was driving me fucking insane because she was gaslighting me she was invalidating my entire experience and she was basically saying like no your labs are fine your labs are normal when they weren't like I saw the labs I saw the numbers and they weren't normal and I want to say this um, completely truthfully and honestly when I started working with this endocrinologist I was honest with her about my eating disorder um, history and as soon as I told her about my eating disorder history, her, her entire energy and the way that she talked and treated me changed. And this was actually in person. Um, this was sort of uh, in the beginning of 2021. And I went for an in-person, you know, my first um, appointment was in person. This was when I was living in Tampa. And... Um, Right when I told her about my eating disorder history, she started treating me differently. She started saying, well, you know, I can't over-medicate you. And all of a sudden, it was like she was, like, scared or she was talking to me like I was stupid. And that's the problem with providers who don't know anything about eating disorder recovery um, or eating disorders in general they think it's a very naive like um immature vain mental illness and they think that people with eating disorders are stupid um and the flip side of that is actually that there's been so much research and so so many studies proving that people with eating disorders are highly highly motivated people who are perfectionists who have you know amazing grade point averages who are athletes, who are strivers, who are like so hard on themselves and hard workers. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about that. Um, So this woman uh, basically just from the moment I started working with her, she gaslit me and she told me that um, she's not going to over-medicate me and when I asked her to do certain types of tests, like test T3, reverse T3, T3 free, she would say, oh no, there's no point in testing those things. And so if you haven't listened to the episode that I had, um, that I interviewed Dr. Amy Horniman, we talk a lot about this and Dr. Amy Horniman has her own podcast called The Thyroid Fixer. And she talks a lot about malpractice and about how endocrinologists are Um, keeping people sick so I'm just going to leave it at that but I had to basically um, fire this endocrinologist and I just basically ghosted her and before I ghosted her I said you're you're keeping me sick and you're under medicating me Um, so but I still have yet to find an endocrinologist who really listens and treats me properly with testing and meds so I'm going to tell you about my experience that I had just yesterday just yesterday so I found a endocrinologist off ZocDoc. I had my first appointment with her about a month ago, and then you know she prescribed she 
prescribe me the thyroid medication that I've been on since October or whatever. Um, and then I had my follow-up and we were going over my labs and I asked her, you know, why didn't you test for these things? Obviously her answers were ignorant and she said that those tests don't matter. I shouldn't have been upset. These are normal things. Um, but this is where self-advocacy comes in because I looked at my labs and I said, well, my TSH is super high, my T3 is super low, and it was flagged low. She says, oh, your, T your T3 is only flagged low a few points. Okay. And I said, okay, but it's flagged as low. It shouldn't matter if it's two points, three points, ten points, a half a point. If somebody's levels are flagged as low, why are you not treating that person based on what their labs are showing? And then I went through my symptoms and I said, I have all these symptoms. So when you go to a doctor's appointment, you guys, you need to go prepared. You need to have a list of all the symptoms that you're going through and you, you need to say, I need these things tested. And I told this woman, you know, you can't base your patients based off of numbers and labs because every single person's different. One person might feel okay at a certain TSH level, but one person might feel better at a lower TSH level. And I know that for my body, I feel better. I feel like I can function when my TSH is lower. And so this appointment went horribly. She basically said, no, I'm not increasing your medication because your labs are normal and they're fine but clearly they aren't. <laughs> so I just kind of laughed at her and I said, look, I'm just going to find another doctor because this is crazy. And then I emailed um, ZocDoc because that's where I found this endocrinologist. And I uh, told them that this woman is performing medical malpractice and I want to report her because honestly, this is part of self-advocacy, um, defending yourself. So long story short, yesterday sucked. I was super anxious. I was super angry. And I told her, you know, I'll just increase myself. I'll increase my medication myself and because I know that I'm under-medicated. So goodbye, you know. So I increased my medication, and today was the first day that I had my increase. And guess what? I feel better today. Is that a fucking coincidence, or is it placebo? Um, maybe it's a little bit of both, but I don't fucking care because I physically feel better today. I was able to wake up early. I'm able to record this podcast. I feel a little bit better than I did a few days ago. And in my book, that means a lot. So this is just one of those experiences that I've had to just say, listen to myself. I had to talk myself out of my anger yesterday because I was so revved up. I was texting my mom. I was so fucking angry. I was like, I can't fucking believe this bitch endocrinologist is telling me that my labs are normal when they're not. You know, it's, um, it's hard, but don't give up because you're going to have to go through several doctors, experts, therapists. Um, you're going to, you're going to outgrow therapists. There's going to be therapists who go on leave. There's going to be therapists who all of a sudden don't take your insurance anymore. You're going to outgrow support groups, and uh, you're going to need new energy and new support systems, and that means you're evolving, and that means you're growing. Um, I will say that going, moving into the eating disorder part of this, finding eating disorder um, experts is really challenging, but you can email any eating disorder foundation um, 
and I'm going to put those in the show notes, like ANAD, um, Eating Disorder Foundation, uh, NIDA, um, EDF, and um, you can email them, and there's also Alliance, I believe. I emailed them, and there's always folks who work for those companies who it's their job to email um, any recommendations. Um, you can ask for help, and you can say, listen, I need a dietitian. I need a therapist. Can you please send me all of the therapists in my area or who take my insurance or who are in Florida, you know, or whatever state you're in, and they will send you lists of providers in your area. They do the hard work for you, and then all you have to do is email them, call them, um, and most of them, you know, unfortunately don't take insurance, but some of them do, and all you have to do is email or call them directly and then ask. If you are struggling financially, you can ask them if they do sliding scale fees for low-income patients. Most of them do. Some of them don't. I've noticed that um, a lot of dietitians will not, but I have reached out to so many dietitians and eating disorder experts and therapists, and I've noticed that a lot of them do offer sliding scale fees, which is just a lower fee for a certain amount of clients that they take that are low income, and um, they only offer it for a certain amount of clients. And they don't, they don't tell you that they offer that, so you have to ask them. So if you say you're low income, but you need an eating disorder expert, do you, do you have any open um, sliding scale fee for patients? They'll say yes or no. Um, and, you know, I had an eating disorder therapist um, back, like, in basically the whole year of 20, 2021, but then she went on maternity leave, and that sucked, but I really liked her, and I was paying out of pocket for her each, each um, session, but she did sliding scale for me, so it was like $55 um, per hour, and I did it like twice a month, you know, which can, can be pretty pricey, but when you're stuck in an eating disorder uh, loop and you're really struggling, then you have to do what you have to do. So I want to get into the eating disorder part of this episode and um, just trigger warning if you are sensitive to this topic, maybe um, listen to this at a different time or don't listen to it at all. But I'm going to share a lot of truthful information and um, try to help anybody who's struggling, recovering from an eating disorder and, you know, explain that social media is a very toxic place to be and what you can do about it, how to get free um, support group therapy, and all that jazz. So um, recently um, on Glennon Doyle's podcast, uh, We Can Do Hard Things, she's been talking about her eating disorder, um, not just talking about it from a past tense, but um, talking about it from a current tense. So recently, she's been very honest and truthful about her her recent relapse with bulimia and her eating disorder, and it really just, uh, it made me honestly want to show up even better here on the podcast, and I do talk, I make posts on Instagram that are very truthful and very honest about eating disorder recovery. Um, I made a post yesterday about... um, the dark and the light sides of eating disorder recovery, and I figured making a podcast episode about it would be beneficial as well, Um, because I really want to share what's going on for real, 
and the truth behind the the social media and the curtain and the facades. Um, yes, I'm a yoga teacher. Yes, I have mental health issues. Um, so when Glennon talks about her eating disorder being in it and not just talking about, oh, I used to be like this or I used to do this, there's something to be said about speaking about mental illness while you're in the storm. Um, everyone's fine with talking about mental illness and addiction and mental health from, a, oh, I used to be this way. You know, I'm not, I'm not anymore, but, or I'm in recovery, so that automatically gives me this golden stamp that I'm healthy now. Recovery is a process. Um, it's not like one day you wake up and decide you're in recovery and you're handed this wand of being recovered. Um, there's so many eating disorder recovery enthusiasts that are doing this and they're holding their wand of recovery, but they aren't really using it and they're not living it. They're not doing recovery. They're just talking about it um, because their actions aren't fully in it. And you can tell because these eating disorder or anorexia recovery influencers look very sick. They're underweight. They're emaciated. They are posting videos of what I eat in a day and it's um, completely disordered <laughs> and they're they're calling that recovery and it's harmful. So, you know, my goal is to, to talk about relapses and, you know, it's not enough. There's not enough of us that are speaking about relapses and our step backs. No one's talking about how all of a sudden one day you can feel like you just backtrotted 15 years and now your mental and physical body are sitting like 15 years ago in this old version of yourself when you had a severe eating disorder or an addiction and you know you can find yourself one week mentally stuck in a place that you thought you couldn't access anymore but you know there it is um and you're just so effortlessly back in that place of um disorder of addiction of toxic behaviors so i want to move into the toxic and the dark side of the eating disorder recovery you know, there's girls on Instagram who are claiming that they are recovering from, um, you know, anorexia, anorexia and they post what I eat in a day and it's clearly orthorexic as fuck because they are still eating super, super um, clean and restrictive in a certain way that will keep their bodies thin and skinny. That is not recovery. And, um, Recovery for anorexia, at least, comes with weight gain. Um, I was severely anorexic in high school. I dropped down to like, you know, 60-something pounds, and I was forced into treatment. And um, I was only 15, and that experience changed my life forever. I was somewhat traumatized from that experience and I still have kind of PTSD from that experience um, because the treatment center was um, really crazy. Uh, things have changed now because this was more than 15 years ago and treatment centers are more um, up to date and they work with their clients more and whatever, but there's a huge culture of mainly girls on Instagram and TikTok who are 
severely underweight and they still look anorexic and they're posting what they eat in a day or um, they're posting photos of their bodies they're posting them working out and they're also claiming that they are eating disorder recovery advocates or enthusiasts and it is doing more harm than good especially to the anorexia recovery community because people who have anorexia they part of their recovery is weight restoration and getting to a healthy weight so that means gaining weight and a lot of what these eating disorder anorexia recovery advocates are doing is they're selling recovery without the weight gain they're trying to say that they're eating all this food and they aren't gaining weight and maybe that's the maybe that's the truth for some of them but for most of them who aren't actually in a recovery program who they, they just say they're quote unquote in recovery right well anybody can say they're in recovery um, being in treatment is different than saying you're in recovery being in recovery is just saying like oh yeah I go I'm I'm in recovery um, I go to AA meetings and NA meetings and I'm I'm in recovery I'm in active recovery but with anorexia recovery comes you need to do actions you need to eat more you need to work with a dietitian you need to gain weight and a lot of these women or girls because they're pretty young they're claiming that they are in recovery but they have been underweight and emaciated for months and months and months or years so they're trying to sell that the 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 facade and the glamour and the eating disorder recovery glitter to their followers without the real vulnerable messy dark side of what recovery feels like as an anorexic person which is weight gain the body changing you know outgrowing clothes your clothes are getting tight um, trying to figure out how to be comfortable in your new body anxiety panic discomfort OCD um, they're not talking about these things they're just saying oh this is recovery I'm eating love your body and they're they're missing they're they're leaving out so much of the real picture of what recovering from anorexia is so it's toxic these these accounts are super toxic um, watching severely underweight emaciated girls say that they are recovering from anorexia or recovered is just out of it's just insanity it's insane um, you have to look at these you know when, when you when you see these um, these accounts you have to ask yourself like what's what's their why why are they showing what they're eating in a day um, what's the intention and meaning in their post usually um, when people with eating disorders um, post before and after photos um, usually the before is a photo of them really sick really emaciated really skinny um, in the hospital or not doesn't matter and it's almost like their eating disorder is um, trying to find validation in the fact that they were sick enough and there's actually a book called sick enough and it's all about this um, and it's about how the eating disorder recovery realm um, labels people with eating disorders as different levels of sickness and especially with anorexia I feel like people will post these before and after photos because they want everyone to know 
look, I was this sick. And they want, it's almost like their eating disorder is looking for validation because now they're in a bigger body, now they're weight restored, but they want everyone to know that once in their life they were this sick. They were sicker than you, they were sicker than that person, and now they deserve recovery or they deserve to gain weight. It's super toxic. And anyone who is truly trying to recover from an eating disorder and help their followers and their large following on Instagram or TikTok recover from an eating disorder, they would know that posting a photo of their bodies, emaciated, skinny, whatever, is actually causing harm. And I say this because, um, you know, I go to all these recovery meetings and they, there are there are rules there are rules that are in place to help people stay safe and not triggered there's a rule where you don't talk about numbers you don't talk about um you know months you were in recovery you don't talk about weight you don't talk about how many pounds you lost you don't talk about how sick you were blah 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 so it's almost like all of these anorexia recovery enthusiasts advocates on instagram and tiktok They say they're in recovery, but it's almost like they've never stepped foot in an actual recovery atmosphere, meeting, support group, treatment center. It's just, it's completely obvious that these girls have never stepped into one of these support groups because they would know that if they're truly trying to recover and help people recover, then posting photos of them or posting triggering things there's a way around it. You can still help your followers without posting those kinds of things. So this is a, you know, it's coming from ego. It's coming from the eating disorder ego part of the brain. Um, there's a girl that's on YouTube. I'm not going to say what her name is because I think that her YouTube channel should be canceled. Um, she's severely emaciated. She works out every day. She says that she's in recovery. Um she posts videos that she eats 3,000 to 4,000 calories a day, but there's literally no way that's possible because she has remained emaciated for years. Um, She's doing harm to her, her community. She also makes all those posts on Instagram about what I eat in a day and before and after photos. And it's almost like she's trying to prove to her followers that she's in recovery And it's almost like this stamp of approval that, you know, oh, she's in recovery. Um, She's emaciated and and looks like she's going to die, but she's in recovery, so she must be fine. She must be healthy. Like, no. No, I'm sorry. Um, She's not recovered. She's not in recovery. Um, She's not in a treatment center. She's just saying that she's in recovery while doing it at home, and she's making money off YouTube and Instagram. Um, by brainwashing her followers into thinking that she's recovered or recovering while staying emaciated. So she's, again, selling recovery without the weight gain. That is completely bogus, completely toxic, and people like her need to be canceled. Um, So, yeah. Uh, I wish that I could be (laughs) a little bit more um, positive when it comes to Instagram, Um, but it's just really hard 
So when you see photos of anorexic girls in hospitals with feeding tubes, just unfollow them, block them, hide them, report them. Report them to Instagram because they're actually flaunting eating disorders. They're not helping. There is an option to report photos and there's a self-harm and eating disorders um, tab. So if it helps you, do it. Um, Yeah. There's also a, a lot of influencers who post, you know, that they are in recovery and they're posting photos of them like in lingerie and like bathing suits and stuff and they're still in underweight bodies. So that's also a huge red flag. There's fitness influencers that are doing it. Um, There's women who are selling workout packages saying that you'll get their body results if you follow their workout plans and eating plans and then when you go through their feed, you'll find posts that are talking about eating disorder recovery. And it's like half of these people aren't even registered dietitians, health coaches, fitness coaches, yoga teachers. They're not certified in anything. So please be mindful of where you see these these people um, selling packages when they're not even um, certified to do so. Again, before and after photos, pre-recovery, post-recovery, that's not going to help anybody. Um, again, it's they're trying to validate and prove their eating disorder. So really just move, move forward. Um, I want to share with you what I, what I um, posted on Instagram. And uh, basically, I just said that if you're, if you're, you know, going through Instagram and you're finding these triggering posts, chances are they haven't ever actually been in an eating disorder recovery group setting um, because they're going against all the rules and um, it's, it's, it's just obvious. So if they did, you know, if they did go to recovery or treatment or support groups, then they would know that posting photos of them when they were sick is actually doing immense harm rather than helping anybody. Um, this is a friend, friendly reminder to take everything you see on Instagram with a huge grain of salt, especially on National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Um, if, an, if a wellness influencer or an eating disorder recovery influencer is truly recovered, then they would know that posting a photo of them at their sickest is indeed not an act of kindness or helping the collective, but an act of feeding into the eating disorder. It's an act of validating the eating disorder, and it's an act of trying to post and show or prove that they are sick enough. Um, If you need real support, you guys, there are tons of free eating disorder support groups out there. There is ANAD, there is NIDA, there is EDF, there's Eating Disorder Anonymous. Eating Disorder Anonymous is more like uh, NA and NA. It's more spiritual and religious based. It's a 12-step program. It's a 12-step eating disorder um, recovery program. Those meetings are, they have so many fucking meetings. It's crazy. I'm going to put the the, the link to the Google Doc in this episode in the show notes and you just click the link it takes you to the Google Doc and it's every meeting is um, there's meetings every day of the week usually every hour 
um, of the day and the night and it's ba it's broken down by day of the week and then there's links to every or organization um, again I'm going to also put the links to ANAD, EDF, um, NIDA and all of these meetings and support groups are free they are zoom meetings um, I go to them several times a week I went to like two meetings yesterday I went to three meetings the other day they are super helpful and um, they've been helping me really just get out of the suffering monkey brain of the eating disorder of the OCD and when you're around other people who have these issues um, you feel like okay I'm not so crazy I'm not so alone people share like what has helped them get through and the recovery they show they talk about just really fucked up experiences and you'll feel like oh wow well okay at least I haven't gone through that or it helps you really shift out of the suffering and more into the okay it's possible to change my habits it's possible to get out of these toxic behaviors it's possible to get the support that I need it's possible to to meet people and get um, real life advice from people who have recovered because these these support groups and meetings are led by people who have recovered fully from eating disorders um, so all of that's going to be in the show notes for you. I really hope that this podcast episode helped you. Um, if you're struggling with an eating disorder or if you know anyone who is, like a friend, a family member, um, a coworker, just anyone, um, you know, reach out to them, offer support, tell them there's free support groups, send them this podcast episode. Just be like, hey, I listened to this podcast episode and, uh, Maybe it'll help you. It helped me. And just send them the link and that's it. And then they can take it um, at their own pace. So um, as always, you can feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, GabLoveFlow. If you listen to this on Spotify, please um, rate my podcast on Spotify. There's now a rating feature. Um, every rating counts. It helps the podcast, you know, kind of organically rise to the surface. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, and you haven't left a review or a rating, I would really greatly appreciate it. It definitely helps the podcast um, just thrive a little bit better. So I hope that you guys can treat yourself good this week. Um, tune out the stressors, tune out the triggers, focus on yourself, focus on what you can do to do the next right thing, the next best thing for your healing. Remember to advocate for yourself. Remember to, to connect to your body. Remember to breathe. Remember to move in a way that feels good for you. Remember to get outside, get some sun. Remember that um, things could be worse. There is a way to get out of these toxic beliefs, these toxic habits. It just takes consistency. It takes support. You don't have to do this all on your own. All right. Bye.